Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, Akua. Welcome back for week six of our series called The Beginning. Now, this series was inspired by the word that God gave us to live our lives, or live our lives by during the year 2022, and that word is sturdy. As all kinds of craziness gets thrown at us this year, we will need to be able to keep our feet firmly planted below us. We will need to be sturdy. And to be sturdy, we'll need to make sure that we are first built on the right foundation because it doesn't matter how well you are put together if you don't have the right foundation. And we see Jesus talk about this exact concept in a parable. Here's how Jesus laid it out. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So for us to be sturdy in 2022, we will have to be better than well-built. We will need to have our entire lives built upon Jesus. Jesus will need to be our foundation. Now, before we get any further into the message, I want to take a moment to stop and pray. So Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the time that you have given to us here. Jesus, I pray that as we dig into your word and and dig into the account of your life, that you would just be speaking to us, that you would allow us to see what you want us to see, that you would allow us to hear what you want us to hear, and that you would open up our hearts so we can feel what it is you want us to feel today, Lord. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you so much. I love you so much. And I pray all of these things in your holy and mighty and precious name, All right, so in case you didn't know, I have two siblings. One younger brother that's five years younger than me and a younger sister that is eight years younger than me. And and some weird thing has been happening where she's actually like getting closer and closer to my age every year. I think eventually she's going to pass me up. But anyways, lots of the time we would end up playing with each other in our house or find ourselves doing things together when we would go out on trips. So we would would be out there having a good time and, and inevitably my younger brother or my younger sister would, would get into something that they probably shouldn't have. And they'd get into trouble, they'd create some sort of havoc or they'd fight with each other. Or they'd end up doing something that they, they didn't really think through all the way. Now these are the kinds of things that happen for the kids that are younger, right? And so there would be some grace that'd be given to these younger kids. But if I would have done some of those same things that my brother, who's five years younger than me, or if I acted the same way my little sister that was eight years younger than me wanted to act, then I probably would not have been extended that kind of grace. I probably would have gotten into trouble. And then there's a good chance that I probably would have been like, well, that's what like those kids are doing. The, the, you know, that's what my little brother and little sister are doing. And that's when my parents would have probably met that with, yeah, but you're older you should know better. Because being older means that you should be more mature. Right? I mean, we we all see that. Obviously, that's not always the case. More time on earth doesn't mean that you will be more mature. Or if you're really mature, you would say it mature, right? 
However, I never miss an opportunity to hold that over my brother and sister's heads. Like, remember siblings, I'm more mature. And then I'll throw in, and better looking. But that last part isn't necessary, but I still like to say it. But this is besides the point. The point is that I knew better, and to some extent still know better when it comes to different things in this world. Have you ever been in a position like this? Are, are you the older sibling or cousin in your family and, and you knew that you had to know better than all of the younger family members because you would kind of like get stuck watching everybody, right? Or are you the experienced one on the team at work? Are you the one that all the new people turn to in the office when they don't know how to do something? Because you gotta know better there. Well, if you are any of those, then you probably don't have that same amount of grace given to you as your younger or less experienced counterparts because you should know better. You have lived through multiple opportunities to gain all the wisdom you need to do well at this place in your life, to do well in this place of work. And now you shouldn't make mistakes in those areas, at least not the simple little mistakes. And what's interesting is that we see something like this playing out in the disciple John's account of Jesus' life and ministry. And for us to fully understand what's going on here, we need a little bit of context, right? The, the saying goes is that context is king. I want you guys to fully understand what's going on here. So at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's become a rock star and is known all throughout Rome and Israel. He's been performing miracles all around Israel and has even been preaching at the biggest festival the Jewish people celebrated, right? Like he got up at Coachella and like had a whole sermon for everybody. Jesus was preaching in the temple in Jerusalem and he didn't make a lot of friends with the higher-ups in the Jewish church. You see, during the festival, they celebrated how God came through for the nation of Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness. They got fired up about how God made water flow out of a rock so they could stay alive and how God was the light that lit their path in the sky by providing a burning pillar in the sky day and night. Well, on the final night of this celebration, Jesus got up and said that he was the living water, and they should be more excited about him than the water that came out from this rock. Essentially, he was telling them that he was the Messiah, that the one that they had been reading about in the Jewish scripture, the one that was prophesied about, the people running the temple, the Pharisees, they weren't happy about Jesus saying these things. They wanted him dead. So they tried to have him arrested, but it wasn't Jesus' time yet, and he was not caught. So at this point, Jesus is still a rock star, but he is also a hated figure. So much so that the Pharisees were now trying to spring a trap for Jesus to fall into. So after this festival was done, the Pharisees walk up to Jesus with a woman and they, I just imagine like throwing this woman in front of her. And here's what happens next, according to the writing of the disciple John. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So here's the trap. If Jesus upholds the law of Moses, then he would be in a ton of trouble. He would be in trouble with the people that ruled the land during that time, the Romans. And here's why. It was against the law for the Jewish people to carry out executions during that time. Only the Roman government was allowed to do that. Only the Roman government could have that kind of power. Then on the other side, if Jesus says nothing, then he is condoning the sin 
the woman was caught in the middle of. So this is a bit of a, of a tough situation for Jesus, right? But really quick though, now, just an aside. The Pharisees caught this woman in the act of adultery and brought her to Jesus. And I have a, a quick question to ask these Pharisees. Where's the dude that was also involved in this, right? Like the, the way that he is left out of this is completely and totally unfair. It's like a, a clown show, right? Like, which I also think that Jesus sees. And one of the things that we have already seen, like, like when Jesus spends time with the Samaritan woman, is that Jesus was regularly elevating women that were around him, validating them in a way that the society refused to do. The other part of this is that, that can be a little bit interesting is how Jesus sat down and started drawing in the dirt. Now, to be totally honest, no one really knows exactly what this means. And because of that, there are a lot of theories on what Jesus was doing here by playing in the sand. My theory in this that I have connected to at this point is that Jesus is basically not paying attention to them. During that time of ancient Israel, when someone would stoop down and mess with the dirt, they were expressing, expressing a lack of attention. The modern day equivalent to this would be like this. So like, let's say somebody comes up to you and starts talking to you about the least interesting thing you can think of. Some of you might be like, oh yeah, that's CrossFit, working out, right? Uh, others of you might be like, football, whatever it is, this person walks up to you to start talking about it. So when that happens, you pull out your phone and start swiping and looking at that stuff. It's pretty rude and it gets the point across that you aren't paying attention to the person talking to you. So think of it like that. The Pharisees roll up on Jesus and they're all fired up about this lady caught in adultery and Jesus is completely over this conversation. So he decided to scroll through the dirt. Now let's go back to John to see how this plays out. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then Jesus stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So Jesus is scrolling and the Pharisees won't leave him alone. It's almost like Jesus was hoping that he could just like ghost them and they would go away. Well, I mean, I guess if it was Jesus doing it, it would be like he was wholly ghosting them, right? A little bit different. But anyways, that was really, really bad. Jesus stops scrolling and he makes one statement. He's like, sure, feel free to stone her, but let the one that is without sin get this whole thing started. And I'm sure at this point they all start to grumble and whisper and, and get angry. And that's when they, all the accusers start to leave. And what's interesting is the way that they leave, right? John says it was the oldest that started to leave first, probably because they knew better. They knew better than the younger ones. So once all the Pharisees and accusers leave, it's just Jesus and this woman that are left, and there's actually a crowd that's standing around there, and here's what Jesus had to say. Then Jesus stood up again, got out of the dirt, and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So let's just imagine what that woman was feeling. 
She was wrong. She messed up. She deserved to be punished for this, at least according to the law of Moses. But Jesus let her off the hook. These bros were looking for a way to condemn this woman and Jesus at the same time. Jesus didn't see it in the same way. He wasn't ready to condemn someone. Instead, he met her with two different things, grace and truth. The grace was that she wasn't condemned. She wasn't stoned to death. That's, that's pretty obvious, right? It's, it's something we can all see and I'm sure a lot of us will, will cling on to, right? It's like, whew, Jesus, Jesus isn't going to condemn me for, for that sin the other day, right? Jesus isn't going to condemn me for how angry I got while I was driving down I-10 in the middle of rush hour traffic. But the true side is where most people stop reading. Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. Basically, don't let this happen again. Which kind of connects back to the way women weren't given this grace or latitude or privilege in their culture. Right? The man got it, but this woman didn't. But here's Jesus making sure this woman is getting everything possible. Grace and truth. And for us, it's important uh, to walk with both of these when we are dealing with people that might be doing the wrong things. It's important for us to show grace toward all the people that we deal with in our life. And some, sometimes the, the hardest grace to give happens with the people that we're closest to, with the people that, that live in our house. At the same time, we have to deliver truth. We can't be lying to people about things just because we want to make sure they feel good. Truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. At least that's what Pastor Timothy Keller has to say. When we only deliver half of this idea of truth and grace, then we don't deliver the full message. We only get it half right. Let's say you are a landlord and you're renting a house out to someone. Now, if they aren't paying their rent, you can just tell them, oh man, it's okay, man. Yeah, you got grace in this. But that won't actually help anything because that will actually help enable them to continue to do this wrong thing. On the other side, if someone didn't pay the rent and you immediately met that with, well, if you don't get that rent to me soon, you'll have to leave. Well, that's true. It's probably not going to help much either. I mean, you might end up getting what you want, which is the money, but you'll lose out on the relationship that you have with that person. So here's how Pastor Chris Hodges puts, puts this. He says, Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. So in this, we can see how Jesus holds up both sides of grace and truth when dealing with the woman caught in sin. He gives her grace. He gives her truth. He is kind and he is meaningful. We are called to live in the same way when we find people that we are able to speak into living in the ways that aren't their best, ways that are full of sin. Now, notice how I said people that we are able to speak into. So just so you know, if you haven't earned the right to speak into someone's life, then don't start with grace and truth. Like, if I don't know you well, I'm not going to start telling you what to do. And I'm your pastor, right? Like, I might have some theories on what the right things might be, and, and I'll help guide you in that way. However, if I know you well, if I'm comfortable enough to, be like, to, to know you, I'm going to be like, hey, bro, you better tighten that situation up. I love you, 
but you got to tighten your stuff up. Okay, so Jesus showed this woman truth and grace when the Pharisees wanted to condemn her. So what is it that Jesus sees worthy of condemnation? Well, let's continue on in John's account. There he writes, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Now remember the importance of the light in the festival they just celebrated. The light signified how God had led Israel through the wilderness. Now Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. Follow me for life. Jesus is telling them exactly who he is. He is explaining that if they want a life given to them, the way that the light led Israel out of the wilderness and into safety and into life, then they should turn to him. But they don't. The Pharisees are angry. They get into this argument with Jesus that he can't make this claim about himself because it isn't valid. Remember, they needed two witnesses for something to be valid in the court of law as they saw fit. So Jesus answers them by letting them know his testimony and the testimony of his father should be more than enough to validate this claim. But the Pharisees are like, well, we don't know who your dad is. And Jesus is like, well, if you don't know, you're not going to know my father unless you know me first. And so Jesus and the Pharisees keep on going back and forth and they're, they're arguing with each other. Well, the Pharisees are trying to, to catch Jesus in something and Jesus continues to speak wisdom into them. And finally, they start explaining, the Pharisees start explaining to Jesus that they are the sons of Abraham and the true sons of God. And this is how Jesus replies to them. No, Jesus replies. For if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told him, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you, naturally, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. As you can imagine, the Pharisees are pretty upset. Being called children of the devil doesn't exactly make a group of holy people very happy. So they go to grab some stones to try and kill Jesus, but John writes that he is hidden from them, and Jesus is able to leave the temple. So we're seeing here what gets Jesus pretty fired up. We're seeing the way that these people try and carry themselves, the way that they say that they know God and the prophets of, of yesteryear and, and that they are sons of, of God and Abraham. It's, it's ruffling Jesus up a little bit because they have this knowledge. 
He knows they have this knowledge. He knows they're able to go through those prophecies and they should know better. They are saying that they are children of God, but they are acting like someone else, like something else. They are wanting to murder those that are guilty like the woman and those that are innocent like Jesus. This is proof that they don't know who God really is. They are murderers. This is proof that they are more worried about following prescribed laws and they are following the God that created those laws. They should know better. They had all these prophecies there to read and be ready for Jesus, but they aren't. It's somehow unforeseen. And they kept, keep letting their sinful nature guide them, which might sound weird because Jesus was just grateful, graceful to the woman caught in adultery. But here he is condemning the Pharisees, calling them children of the devil because they are sinning. Well, to really find out what this means, let's look at the ninth chapter of John, John's account of Jesus' life. As Jesus is walking along, he sees a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So Jesus sees this blind man. The disciples are curious about why he's blind. Back then, the belief was that the sins of parents would curse the children that came after them. But Jesus explains that the purpose of his blindness was actually to show glory. The man's lack of sight is there to prove how Jesus is the light of the world. Then we get back into the dirt. Jesus reaches back down and makes mud with his saliva, rubs it on the man's eyes, and sends him to the pool that was used to pour out, where they would scoop the water, pour out the water on the altar to remember how God brought water to them. Jesus called himself the living water while standing in front of that pool. So he's doing a double illustration here. When you combine the light of the world with the living water, you are able to see. This is, there's a, a detail in all of this that, that doesn't come out until later in the chapter. Jesus did this healing once again on the Sabbath. So guess who's not very happy about it? The Pharisees. So they go and interview this man that was born blind. Then they interview the man's parents. All the while they are looking for details that they can use so they can be justified to kill Jesus, to hand him over to get crucified. They don't do anything, uh, they don't get anything from the first two interviews, so they call the man Jesus healed back one more time. But this time, the healed man isn't having it. He's kind of sarcastic, he's kind of being mouthy with them. He's like, why did you call me back? I already told you what happened. You're asking me the same questions over and over again. So this is what the Pharisees tell him. We look back in John's writing. There John writes, Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know 
where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the healed man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And then they threw him out of the synagogue. So here the Pharisees get totally schooled by the healed man. He went from someone who is thought of as a lowly sinner in his culture to someone who could stand toe-to-toe with some of the most brilliant minds in understanding the Pharisees' law that was given to them. This man embarrasses them on such a level that they insult him and throw him out. As you can see, they are children of God, just as they claim. Now, after Jesus hears of what happened, he finds the man once again. And here's how John describes that situation. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So this is Jesus showing exactly what it is that he's condemning. He isn't going to crush the ones that don't know any better. He's going to give them grace and show them truth. But the ones that should know better will be held accountable. Not because they sin, but because they sin and say they don't. Because they are blind, but claim they can see. Because they don't believe in who Jesus says he is. That's what they're held accountable for. That is the line in the sand that Jesus makes. If you believe, there's no condemnation. It's that simple. But the holy people, they try and make it more complicated than that. They try and say that they can see it all. Oh, I know that you aren't the Messiah because of this, this, and that, and I can tell you, and I'll, let me read all these things. But they're really blind. But even the blind can see the light of the world. Everyone is able to see the light of the world. That's why Jesus came, to shine his light on everyone, to lead everyone out of the wilderness and into life. That's why he gave up his life. That's why he came back from the dead, to lead you out of the wilderness and into something so much better. A life here on this earth that is like nothing else. And I hope that is something that you have. But if you don't, I'd like to help you see that light of the world. To do that, it's, it's really easy. There's only one work for you to do. Jesus said it in the passage that we went through today. We saw the blind man make that proclamation. All you have to do is simply believe in Jesus. 
believe that he lived the life he did and that he was God. You don't need your life to be right. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. Don't worry about what supposed holy people told you that you needed to do to be right with Jesus. All you have to do is simply believe. Now to confirm that belief, I would like to lead you in a simple conversation with Jesus. We'd call that a prayer. Now I get it, this might be a little weird for you, maybe you've never prayed before, maybe you've never had this conversation with Jesus before, so to make it a little easier for you, I'm gonna ask that all of our community here at Akuo will pray along with you. Because here at Akuo Church, you never have to pray alone. You always have a community to pray along with you. You always have a community to walk alongside you, no matter what you're going through. So if you want to confirm that belief in Jesus, just bow your head and, and, and just speak something like this between you and God, between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. I believe in who you said you were. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now let's keep our heads bowed and whether you've believed for the last four seconds or the last four decades and you wanna understand how to live your life in the light of the world, then just pray something like this along with me. Just say something like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for laying your life down for me. Jesus, help me understand that you are the light of the world. Lead me out of the wilderness. Jesus, help me understand that I can live in your grace and your truth. Jesus, help me understand that I don't have to give just grace to people and I don't have to give just truth. Help me understand that I can give both of these to the people that I know and love. Jesus, thank you for everything. We love you and we pray all of these things in your holy and mighty and awesome and graceful and illuminous name, Jesus. Now, before you go, there are a few things I wanna share with you. The first thing I wanna talk about are our community groups. Now, each week, we have multiple groups meeting up all around our area, and we want you to be a part of one. That's why we, want, we like to have a spotlight on a group each and every week. And actually, this week, we have two groups that we're putting in the spotlight. The first one is Church Dudes Getting Hot, which is an acronym for Honest, Open, and Transparent. And the second group is Women Worshiping. Now, both of these groups take place once a month, and both of them happen this Saturday from 7 to 8.30. In the Church Dudes group, they look to share, grow, and strengthen one another with Christ at the center. They sit down and get hot, honest, open, and transparent about what is happening in their lives. Now, in the Women Worshiping group, they're looking to get connected through, to God through worship, fellowship, devotional prayer, and song. Now, if you are looking for these things, then one of these groups might be the place for you. If you're interested in joining either one of these groups, go to akuo.church community to get signed up. 
Now, this might not be the group for you, but we have so many others that might fit exactly what you are doing with your life. Now, you can see all those groups we have currently available at akuo.church community. Now, guys, I say this every single week because I believe this to be true. Joining one of these groups might be the best thing that you do here at Akuo. This can be the place to help you see the light of the world. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is how we are sacrificially generous here at Akuo. There are so many ways that, we, that you can do it. Now, no matter how you're doing it, we want you to be listening to God. Because that's what we do here at Akuo, right? We listen to God and we want you to be doing the same thing when it comes to giving the church. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, that's okay. Because one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here at Akuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing. And that just means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, guys, again, it doesn't matter how much you are giving. We just want you to get started. We want you to be able to start experiencing God in a different way than maybe you haven't before. Now, sacrificial giving might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family. Now, if things are tough for you right now, please allow us to help you. We want to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know somebody else that needs some help, but they don't necessarily want to reach out to us, make that connection for us. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send us an email at help at akuo.church. Or you can call or text us at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here at Akuo Church, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions that are given once you click on that link. We also have the text to tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your check to AKUO at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you, and our Akuo team will be praying for you throughout the week. So before we go, just I want to pray over you one last time. So Jesus, I thank you for today. I ask that as these folks turn off their TVs, put away their phones, and close their laptops or turn off their tablet, I pray that you would be speaking to them. I pray they'd be able to hear what you were saying to them, Lord. I pray that they would be able to see you as the light of the world. And I pray that they'd be able to chase after you in the best way possible. So they wouldn't have to stay in the wilderness that they are in, but they would be able to live in the glorious life that you have created for them. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you. And we pray all these things in your name. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you today. We will see you at a community group this week. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. 
That's A-K-O-U-O.church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.